Welcome to Waking Up to Grace with Lenny and Melissa, brought to you by BibleStudy.net. That's Bible study without the BS. So today we're going to be talking about the truth about the tithe. You know, this is a a very controversial topic among many. And, you know, I I think there's probably a a lot of different uh, views when it comes to the tithe. You know, I think some people just think, well, God's going to understand that I don't have that much. <laughs> a lot of different things that are, but they all kind of, they're also very similar. Yeah. Like you said, that's one popular one. Yeah. God will understand. And, uh, you know, oh, he's not going to withhold my blessings, uh, you know, because, you know, you have places telling you that you're, you'll get a tenfold or a hundredfold blessing or, right. you know, even taking as far as you're robbing God and quoting Malachi. Um, you know, you hear things like that. And then even things like, you you know, maybe that's why you're not healed. Maybe that's why you haven't gotten the gift of tongues, you know, which all these are like whole separate topics that you can get into about the truth about the tongues and the truth about healing. But uh, and we'll get into those uh, eventually here. Um, but sure but, you know, about the tithe. I mean, so what do you think, Melissa? You know, do, do you think it should be a required giving or is it just an Old Testament idea of giving? Well, I think it should be exactly what the Bible says it is, nothing more. So it's not really up to us to decide? It's not up to us <laughs> to decide, no. And it is an Old Testament um, way of doing things, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, the reality is that there is a truth in Scripture, and the truth doesn't go in favor of the big institutions out there. You know, we can we can say, like, uh, oh, you know, they're a business, they have overhead, or, you know, Which they... It's a popular thought. Yeah, or they're giving it to good uh, charities. Right. That was a thought that uh, we had and that I, was within our circles when we would talk to people, because we were very young when we first started going to church together, and it was especially tough for us to think of giving 10%. And that was before taxes taken out. Seriously, <laughs> they right? actually said the that. said that, yeah. And then above and beyond whenever you can. So that was just like, wow, we don't want to guilt God, but we don't have any money. And then, you know, this would not be very smart financially, um, but just wanted to do what God, um, the truth of. Yeah, <laughs> wanted God to do the right thing. To do. Yeah, we wanted, we had a... a you know, we had a spiritual drive to want to please God. And so we did end up, right. you know, paying it forward. Oh, but my thought, I'm sorry, I remember what I was going to say. So asking our circles, like, oh, I, you know, is not sure if we're comfortable giving this much. And um, they said, well, you know, they, like you said, they have to do this to keep the building going and just give what you can. It'll be okay. But in the back of your mind, it's always nagging, but I'm not giving. What I couldn't get past it. Yeah. I couldn't get past it. Kind of like the forgiveness issue is just like, Either I'm forgiven or I'm not. I'm not. I I had a convi- I had a problem in conscience because you just you never knew if you were really forgiven, because they teach all these you know all this double talk. And when you're when you're following a double doctrine, one good one day you feel good and the next day you don't because you don't really have you know, you're not really on this on one path. You're on both paths. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So weren't sure if God was uh, withholding blessings, and that doesn't feel good to think about. So. So anyhow, enough of, you know, of, uh, not enough, but I mean, on, on our commentary here, you know, let's, let's dig into some scripture and see, see what the, the Bible says about the tithe. And uh, starting with the Old Testament, 
you know, in Leviticus 27, it says, any tithe of the land from the grain of the land or from the fruit of the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So the tithe is something that belongs to the Lord, according to the scripture. Um, so it's it's not something that uh, necessarily belongs to the Israelites. And this that would be the context of the, you know, the Israelites at that time. They were the they were the ones that were called on to, to do the tithe, as we'll learn in numbers. It says the Lord spoke to Aaron. You will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any portion of property among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the Israelites. I have given the Levites all the tithes in Israel for an inheritance for their service that they perform, the service of the tent of meeting. No longer may the Israelites approach the tent of meeting or else they will bear their sin and die. But the Levites must perform the service of the tent of meeting and they must bear their iniquity. It will be a perpetual ordinance throughout your generations that among the Israelites, the Levites have no inheritance. But I have given the Levites for inheritance the tithes of the Israelites that are offered to the Lord as a raised offering. That is why I said to them that among the Israelites, they are to have no inheritance. So the Israelites' tithe was supporting the Levite priests in their service because they didn't get part of the inheritance. And so Israel was supporting the Levite priests in the temple. And so that's what the tithes were for. So that's. That's, a, you know, what the tithe was, and that's what it was for in the Old Testament. Um, you know, it, it, um, so the priests, the priests didn't get part of the inheritance, you're saying? The Levite priests, that was the support. The priests, uh, the, the tithes of the Israelites was given to Levite priests, basically, for the temple worship. Okay. And the Israelites were to stay out of that. It was for the Levite priests. But that money, that it wasn't money. Again, it was... It was a tithe, and we're going to get into that, you know, what it actually was next. What was the tithe? So the in Chronicles, it says the king contributed some of what he owned for burnt sacrifices, including the morning and evening burnt sacrifices. And the burnt sacrifices made on the Sabbath, new moon festivals, and at other appointed times prescribed in the law of the Lord. He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to contribute the portion prescribed for the priests and Levites so they might be obedient to the law of the Lord. So we hear this obedient to be obedient to the law of the Lord. When the edict was issued, the Israelites freely contributed the initial portion of their grain, wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a tenth of everything, which added up to a huge amount. The Israelites and people of Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also contributed a tenth of their cattle and sheep, as well as a tenth of the holy items consecrated to the Lord their God. They brought them and placed them in many heaps. In the third month, they began piling their contributions in heaps and finished in the seven months. When Hezekiah and the officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and pronounced blessings on the people of Israel. So they're bringing all kinds of different things. And I don't, I don't see money in any of that. And so the reality, yeah, the reality is that the, the tithe was given through Israel's inheritance. And so that's why when we started off with that first passage, it said everything was God's. All of those things, that was God's stuff that he gave to Israel as an inheritance for them. 
and they were, you know, to, to distribute that, you know, and so they distributed 10% to the Levite priests, as we read earlier. So it's a, it's a distribution of God's belongings, basically the blessings that he gave them, their inheritance. Okay. So food to eat. So what we're, what we're seeing here and the point of all this is that your money is not included in this how about that your money isn't part of the israelites inheritance so if you were going to pay a tithe you would have to first go back into the old covenant and then you would have to go back and somehow gather some of those things that were part of the inheritance and you know that was in the days of sacrificing so it almost seems like maybe somebody um of this newer age came up with the idea to make it more with the new age, make it money instead of sure, kind of update it. And they, you know, in order to in order to really get the full spin on it, you have to you have to pull some of the stuff from the the New Testament and and uh, twist that around and configure it into something. And we're going to hit those passages too, just to make sure that everything is loud and clear. But here's the passage in Malachi, and uh, I've I've heard that heard it said that this is New Testament, uh, New Covenant teaching here. But it's it's not because it happened before before the cross of Christ, before right. the resurrection. So this is not to new this is not to the Christian. This is still old covenant. And just to recap, so so far what we learned is that the tithe is not money. It is God, the things God blessed Israel with. Yeah. Honey, olive oil, animal crops. offerings, all kinds of those okay. types of grain offerings. And often it was for grain storage. They would store away their tithes. And, and so in Malachi, it says, since I, the Lord, do not go back on my promise. You sons of Jacob have not perished from the days of your ancestors. You have ignored my, ignored my commandments and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you say, how should we return? Can a person rob God? You are indeed robbing God, but you say, how are we robbing you? In tithes and contributions, you are bound for judgment because you are robbing me. The whole nation is guilty. And uh, our Christian congregation that we went to brought up that passage. Many do. That's probably the single most popular. And so, hey, you know, I mean, the Apostle Paul said, if you, you know, those who, uh, you know, are following the circumcision, if you don't follow every law, you fail at all of them. And so that pastor that was teaching that, no offense, but you're a hypocrite. You needed to follow all the laws if you're going to follow this one. There's actually 612 others that you have to follow if you're going to be preaching the tithe. So better get to work. <laughs> no, sorry. Sorry for the sarcasm. You know, it's a little disturbing that somebody would teach a Christian this message. Well. It's just the truth. It's this we're reading it right out of scripture here. Yeah. And wouldn't so, you say Malachi is probably the single most popular verse that pastors of today go to? Oh man, they love that one. I don't know why. I knew I know well, why. It, it sounds very uh guilting. If you want to guilt somebody, there it is right there. It's probably something that comes, I don't know if it comes from seminary or what, but it just seems to be the foundation of of everybody, like everybody's following it, almost like a verbal agreement, like, you know what, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Well, we know that there, there are certainly plenty of, of leaders out there that know rightfully, they know exactly what they're doing, 
uh, incorrectly teaching and they continue to do it, right? Yeah. And then there are other ones that I believe, we believe is uh, they that they really believe they're doing the right thing. They just have never tested the spirit to make sure. And, yeah. and that's equally wrong. Well, the Apostle Paul was very upset with the Galatians when they were falling under Jesus plus, plus law, Jesus plus works. You know, and he told them that your Christ is of now value to you. If you're going to be circumcised, you've fallen away from grace. So he's speaking to to people that he that uh, might have the ears to hear, like and wake up, like what am I doing? You know, so if you're under Galatianism, if you're paying your tithe, you know, because uh, you know your your church is telling you that you have to pay your tithe, you're on un- you're under Galatianism. You know that you're still working for yourself. There's there's a spell that's been cast on you, and Paul said Christ is no longer any value. You've fallen away from grace. So you either you know never believed it, or maybe you're just under a spell. Maybe you actually. Uh, are uh, for salvation, but you're you're falling away from it. You're falling away from the message that you first started with is what, you know, there's two different ways to take that message, falling away from grace. You know, it doesn't say away from salvation. It says away from grace. But, you know, you figure if you're if you're following the law and you go right back into that, there is no value in Christ. You've just completely lost your point. So, you know, you look at the parable of the seed and the soil, you know, some fall in good soil, others don't. So you never really know where somebody's at. But all I know is when you realize you're under Galatianism, the best thing to do is wake up to grace, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Either way, you and know. I, and that's <laughs> exactly. And to that point, I wanted to say, you know, yes, the leaders are in the wrong, but we as Christians, we uh, God's grace is sufficient for us. We have everything that we need mm-hmm. to come to these conclusions on our own when we have the Holy Spirit. So yep. we can't blame our pastors. We have to to take responsibility, right? We got to dig into the word. Uh, and the spirit leads us to do that. That's how we're able to, but Amen. can't just blame the pastors. No, and, don't try to hide he, behind him because God will see you. Peekaboo. I see you. <laughs> so let's take a look at what the, uh, speaking of, you know, the word, the promise of, of Christ. Let's look at what uh, tithing is in the gospels. And so there again, some context. If you haven't uh, learned when the new covenant began, check out our information on that. But, uh, you know, the gospels are still old covenant. So what we read here, you know, is is not going to prove anything about Christianity because they weren't Christians yet. They were following Jesus. And, uh, you know, there's passage after passage that talks about how they didn't know what he was even saying until the spirit came upon them at Pentecost. So um, this was on the earth. He was speaking, but he hadn't gone to the cross, risen again. Yeah. And distributed the Holy Spirit. Right. You want to you want to read the you have Matthew and Luke. If you want to read those two here and the time in uh, tithing in the Gospels. Yes. So we have Matthew 23, 23, 23. Woe to you, experts in the law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You give a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you neglect what is most important, more important in the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have done these things without neglecting the others. Blind guides. Ooh, you strain out a gnat, yet swallow a camel. So we'll we'll pause there. And so, you know, and again. I gotta, and I got to point out, it, exclamation points all throughout yeah 
he was a, he was just calling their hypocrisy here and so you're seeing that the you know they were cons he was considering the tithing a light matter of the law uh while the heavier matters were mercy and faithfulness but the point here is that he refers to it as the law so what we have here is more evidence that tithing is the is the law and the law was fulfilled was so you have, the, you know, that passage that gets overlooked a lot, that Jesus was born by a woman under law. Jesus was born under law. So the law was still in force when he was born and walking on this earth. He didn't fulfill it until the cross. So we got to remember, and this just also, again, proves, you know, the tithe is the law. You want to read Luke? Luke eleven forty two. Here we go. More exclamation points. <laughs> doesn't always use those you know oh. but woe to you pharisees you give a tenth of your mint rue and every herb yet you neglect justice and love for god but you should have done these things without neglecting the others woe to you pharisees you love the best seats in the synagogues and elaborate greetings in the marketplaces woe to you you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. You can't help but think, you know, when you when you hear a, a pastor preaching the tithe that Jesus is talking to them. <laughs> I mean, he's not literally because he's talking to the Israelites at that time, but it sounds an awfully lot like a rebuke that he would give to them. Well, yeah, they are. They're acting as guides to the Christians, and yeah. Jesus is calling them blind guides. So would today's pastors be chastised by Jesus for what they're teaching? Absolutely. It's a disgrace, to it be honest with you. It's a strong word, but it is. I have nothing against the people, but what they're teaching is a disgrace. It is. We're all humans, and uh, but, you know, we're by grace, we're saved. And, uh, you know, once you realize that, you, you can't handle people putting you under law anymore. It just gets old. Well, no one should, and no one should allow themselves to be. So would you like to read Luke, my my lovely reader of scripture passages? I'm going to put it that way. <laughs> Luke 18, 9. Jesus also told this parable to some who were confident that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. <laughs> Extortionists, unrighteous people. You can just hear them saying this. Yeah. Adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. The tax collector, however, stood far off and would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. I tell you that this man went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Yep. So the Pharisee's uh, arrogance was displayed here. 
And, uh, you know, God's not impressed with that. So they were, they were paying their tithes and they were doing all these things, but God wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed. Because it didn't come from the heart because they didn't have the heart. God's looking at the heart, isn't he, Melissa? He is looking at the heart. They were, they were, uh, they were hypocrites. Jesus pointed out quite well. So in the epistles. And now we're going to look at tithing in the epistles. Wait a minute. There isn't anything there. <laughs> There's not a single verse. Shouldn't there be at least one line? In the epistles from the apostles, uh, all the writings of the apostles, and not a single verse mentioned about the tithe. So what, uh, you know, what are we going to, what are we going to fuel all of our messages with? I mean, shouldn't there be something? I mean... You got nothing. If it's true, there would be something. Nothing, it? literally. I mean, I, I tried to put the, I would have loved to put together a study on tithing in the epistles, but there isn't one. The apostles evidently didn't think it was very important. But, uh, you know, we, we will go on a passage after we look at Hebrews, because there is some mention in the book of Hebrews. After we look at Hebrews, we're going to take a look at what New Testament given looks like, New Covenant more specifically, because when we look at New Testament, we always think the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's right. not the New Covenant yet. That's just going into it. <clears throat> right, because there is a proper way to give, isn't there? It's yep. just not what's commonly thought. So we have tithing in Hebrews, and it kind of ties ties into tithing in Genesis. And I know I, uh, Lee was telling me that his old uh, pastor where the, at the church that he went to would use this passage in uh, in Hebrews uh, uh, often, and that was that was their big, you know, way to justify it in the new covenant. Uh, but it, it, but it's it's a flimsy at best. So in Genesis, he says, after Abram returned from defeating Kedalomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram in the valley of Shiva, known as the King's Valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was the priest of the Most High God. He blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth. Worthy of praise is the Most High God who delivers your enemy to your hands. Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And uh, so this is an interesting passage. Where did Melchizedek come from? Who is this priest of the Most High? It's, it's a mystery when you're reading it, actually. But then in Hebrews, they start getting into more of the meaning of this passage. And uh, it'll help shed some light on the tithe part as well. There's actually a, a meaning to this. And so in Hebrews, he says, Now this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abram as he was returning. Okay, so we actually read this part already. Let's see if I can skip through, um, just so I'm not repeating it. Um, well, let's just read it again. To him also, Abram apportioned a tithe of everything. His name first means king of righteousness. Then king of Salem, that is king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy. He has neither beginning of days nor end of life, but is like the son of God, and he remains a priest for all time. But see how great he must be if Abraham the patriarch gave him a tithe, a tithe of his plunder. And those of the sons of Levi who received the priestly office have authorized according to the law to collect a tithe from the people, that is, from their fellowship fellow countrymen, although they too are descendants of Abraham. 
But Melchizedek, who does not share this, their ancestry, collected a tithe from Abraham and blessed the one who possesses the promise, possessed the promise. Now, without dispute, the inferior is blessed by the superior. And in one case, tithes are received by mortal men, while in the other, by him who is affirmed to be alive. And it could be said that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid a tithe through Abraham. For he was still in his ancestor Abraham's loins from Melchizedek when Melchizedek met him. So, I mean, this, there's a lot there. But, um, you know, the, the bottom line here is that they're making a reference as Melchizedek is like the coming Christ. And so this tithe was given before the law because Abraham was before the law. And so you think, why did he tithe? And that that's what the, the uh, Lee's pastor had used to justify. They said this was before the law. You know, there was a tithe offered. But that's, you know, the whole point is just completely taken out of context. And um, it's. If you read Hebrews uh, chapter 7, verse 5, it says, And those of the sons of Levi who received the priestly office have authorized authorization according to the law to the, collect a tithe from the people. So it is a matter of the law. So there again, it still mentions the tithe is a matter of the law. So it, it is the law. It's still a matter of the law. And according to Hebrews, making way for things to come. Yeah. So why tell the story of, of Melchizedek and, and, you know, what's the point of it? And, and I guess, I guess one thing you think of too, is, you know, if we're going to just follow this example, are, are we going around <laughs> having wars and taking spoils? And, you know, in those days, it was a very different thing. It was a very different way uh, of things so we're not going to follow abraham's lead and start armies and battles in the name of god and taking spoils and then giving 10 percent of them to somebody so but why did abraham tithe to melchizedek and what was the significance of it all you know and like we were saying it was kind of an early appearance of christ uh what we're seeing in hebrews and that the the lesser honored yeah, it was kind of a prophetic thing. And uh, the, the lesser honored the greater. And the Jesus is greater than Levi. And the new covenant is greater than the old covenant. The greater is blessed by the lesser. So what you have is that Abraham was blessed by him who was greater. You know, Abraham was the, the guy of the promise. You know, he was, he was the promise guy who had the promise right. of God. But Christ was the promise. And so there was like this, there was, it was something very mysterious about that happening, but it was the lesser serving the greater. Right. And, uh, and honoring that, honoring the greater. So it makes a lot of sense. A lot of people hold Abraham. I mean, he, he was a, to be held in high regards in the old Testament, but someone mm -hmm. would come to surpass him. Um, you, you wouldn't think of, do you still call him the father? Or now we look to Christ. Now it's yeah, exactly. now God's the Father. God the we father. Look to Christ. Some people yeah. still call him Father, but yeah. yeah, there was someone to come to surpass him, right? But the you know bottom line is when you dig into that passage, like like I mentioned in verse seven five, it was a matter of the law. It's always mentioned as a matter of the law. The tithe is law. So are you still living under law, or are you living under grace? And if you're living under grace, let's get rid of that stinking thinking about the tithe 
And let's look at some New Testament verses about grace giving so that we can see what grace giving looked like. You want to read some of those? And we got Acts and Corinthians. I would love to help people wake up to grace. Let's do it. All right. So we got Acts 4.32. The group of those who believed were at were of one heart. I love this one. The group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one said that any of his possessions was his own, but everything was held in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. For there was no one needy among them, because those who were owners of land or houses were selling them and bringing the proceeds from the sales and placing them at the apostles' feet. The proceeds were distributed to each as anyone had need. To Joseph, a Levite, who was a native of Cyprus, called by the apostles, Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and placed it at the apostles' feet. So there's one story of early church giving. It sort of sounds like a, a commune, you know, that they were forming, uh, probably for the sake of feeding all the people under persecution and everything else. They, you know, I mean, you couldn't do that today. <laughs> You're not going to form a Christian commune today. It would take, uh, it, that would be pretty difficult. But if you brought up that passage to somebody preaching the tithe, what would the person at the front of the building say about giving that equally to their congregation? You think they would agree with that? <laughs> you often like to tell people, you know, this building is yours too. This is your church. And, but, you know, let's be honest. Who, who owns the building? Who's getting all those? All those proceeds, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to give it equally to your members of your congregation, that would be pretty impressive. I think you might have a pretty big congregation. <laughs> that might actually be motivating. But I. But that's not that's not a rule. And so, what do we, what do we actually? That was just what they did. Well, and, it, and they. You and I always talk about the fact that they, uh, the group of those. This was a very special time, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Where the Holy Spirit. Uh, they were of one heart and, and mind, right? Great grace was on them all, right? Mm -hmm. The group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind. There were no denominations. Yep. Every All the facts were laid out there. They were all in agreement. Amen. And no one said that any of his possessions was his own. So they yeah. agreed on all that. Agreed it was everything. totally cool with them. It was just like, yep, this is what we're going to do. So Made perfect was, sense. Right. Very yeah. special. Didn't have some people being like, ah. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Right. You know, that was working for them. And then in, in Corinthians, each one of you should uh, should give just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because because God loves a cheerful giver. And that's what you saw there going on, didn't you? Yeah. And so given as he has decided in his heart, you know, if if, you, if you've looked at the, the meaning of the, the heart and the new heart that we have in Christ. Uh, that he gave us, you know, he's, they're talking about follow the, the spirit of God, basically, as he drives you don't, uh, if, if you're under compulsion, there's something wrong there. He doesn't, he loves a cheerful giver, because a cheerful giver is, is given from the heart, the heart of Jesus Christ that's beaten inside of us. That's right. So, and then in uh, Corinth. Well, and let me just say on that note, isn't it interesting? It's not just 
in uh, Acts there, the group of people who were all of one heart and mind, they weren't just giving a tenth. These people were selling their entire home, all their land. I mean, they were doing much more, giving much more. And that was all from the heart. That just goes to show what giving by faith, giving from the heart does. Yeah. You know, nobody's telling you to go beyond your means so that you can become blessed. There was no context to no, that. Okay. Jesus is not. I think not we got one last passage. No, two more passages uh, that we'll look at. We're trying to make it kind of quick for, for the sake of the call. And I know we're getting ready for our next one. And my dad's ready to go. Uh, Corinthians 9.13. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple eat food from the temple and those who serve at the altar receive a part of the offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel to receive their living by the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights. That was the Apostle Paul saying that he hasn't received anything, you know, and he, he would talk about how he worked amongst them. You know, he was a tent builder and he worked amongst them. He didn't, he wanted to boast in the fact that he didn't collect anything from his message. And I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but he's saying, you know, he, he has uh, the right, right? He, um, mm-hmm. But he hasn't, hasn't used any of these. So we do have a, good teachers do have a right to receive their living from the gospel. And, you know. But it's all by faith. It's by faith. All, it's all Grace giving, grace living, grace teaching. You know, it's all tied into grace. You want to read that one last passage in Matthew and we'll call it a wrap. And All right. Matthew 6, 1. Be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father in heaven. Thus, whenever you do charitable giving, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. And on the streets so that people will praise them. I tell you the truth. They have their reward. But when you do your giving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your gift may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So that's Jesus talking, you know, and that is an old covenant passage, but he's shedding very much light on what kind of giving uh, uh, that God would be happy with. The cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is not blowing a trumpet. Look at me. I mean, they're cheerful to receive the praises of men, but that's the whole point of the passage is don't do it for the praise of men, do it for the praise of God. And wouldn't you say that, again, he's paving the way for the Holy Spirit that would be coming, that would allow us to be cheerful givers. Um, because it's going to give us a new heart. Yeah. Amen. We can be. You got anything else, Melissa, or should we call it a wrap? Oh, I just feel so good to get the truth out there, doesn't it? It sure does. (laughs) So we'll call it on the wrap for the truth about the tithe. And thank you for joining Waking Up to Grace with Lenny and Melissa. And uh, if you guys want to subscribe to our videos, we'll keep them coming for you guys. Uh, God willing, we we plan on keeping going with this thing and uh, getting the message out there. And uh, so uh, check out our website, uh, join a call with us sometime. You know, we we got links to all that stuff on our YouTube page. And you can also go to IbleTuddy.net. That's Bible study without the BS and see what we got to offer on our website. We look forward to hearing from you guys. We're waking up to Greece and we hope you are too. Amen.